Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, if you got a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in the book of Exodus this morning. Uh, the book of Exodus. Uh, if you haven't uh, been here much this summer, or maybe you're visiting with us today, uh, Kevin's been going through kind of an overview of the book of Exodus this summer in Sunday school. And today we're going to pick up right in the middle of uh, chapter 15 and going to troll our way through the end of chapter 18. And uh, it's been fun to kind of see all these different uh, components of Exodus. I love the story of Exodus and the encounters the people had with the Lord there. Uh, if you have missed them, uh, I would encourage you to go find the, the podcast, uh, the Lakeview College Ministry podcast, and listen to them. They've been really, really good. So uh, today we're going to pick out in the middle of chapter 15. And hey, just think with me, if you will, like um, I, I think probably about when I got to college is when I first started encountering moments like this. Uh, maybe you have encountered something to the effect of you get to a place in your life where you look back. Maybe you look back on a, a previous season of your life. Maybe you look back on a previous place of your life and you realize things that were there, uh, either things that you took for granted or things that you totally missed altogether that you didn't recognize until after the fact. Um, I, I don't think I took my family for granted, but I know that I didn't understand just exactly how good of a family I had until I came to college and I started meeting people who had some really bad family situations that they came from, and it helped me appreciate it even more. Uh, as I've gone through life, I never knew how much free time I had in situations of life until I got to the next stage of life. Like when I was a teenager, I was like, bro, if I can just get to college, I'm going to have so much free time. And then all of a sudden, like I got to college and was like, dang, I don't have any free time. And then I was in college. I was really, really mistaken and misplaced. I was like, once I graduate from college and I don't have school anymore, I will have so much free time once I start working full time. Boy, was I mistaken, right? I, you know, because I was like, wait a minute, we don't get two months for Christmas, we get two days? Like, what's up with that, right? So the thing is that we have these moments in life where we look back and we realize that we had it better maybe than what we realized and some things we missed along the way. And I think that's where we find ourselves today looking at this section. And I, and I want to look at this section of the umbrella of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Provides. And the people of Israel, when you read through Exodus, one of the common themes, and not just Exodus, really, it's kind of, it's kind of the pattern of the Old Testament that spills over into our lives today. And it's simply that, that they just don't realize like what all the Lord has done and is doing in their lives while they're in the moment. Now, if you're not familiar with Exodus, if you haven't been following the journey, where we are at this point in time is it's post miracle of the Red Sea. Uh, they've been let go from Egypt. Moses is leading them now. Uh, they, are, they are now in transit from the Red Sea miracle to the promised land, and they are in the desert. And so what we're going to look at today is three different scenarios where the Lord provides for the people of Israel. And we're going to read them in, in kind of chunks at a time. And so the first thing that we're going to see starting in 1522 we're going to see that the Lord provides in our daily needs. Uh, through all of this, too, we're going to look at the people of Israel. We're going to look at this encounter in Exodus, and then we're going to transition that over to you and me and what this looks like for our lives today. So the first thing that we see is that God provides water for them at Marah. So look in uh, 15, chapter 22. It says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur, 
For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. This is why the place is called Marah, which means bitter. Uh, so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. And then the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and he put them to the test. He said, look, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and you keep all his decrees, I will not bring on any of you disease that I brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So, you know, there's a few things that we see going on here uh, in this component. Number one, it really didn't take them long to get frustrated with the Lord. Uh, You may see it as a transitional passage, but look at what it says here at the beginning. It says, for three days they traveled the desert. Now, if you're not familiar with what's happened at this point, they have watched with their own eyes the miracles of the ten plagues, that we've talked about already, where, where the Lord revealed himself and showed his power and his presence to the people of Egypt while the Israelites looked on. The Israelites were never affected by these plagues. It was only the Egyptians. And they could see that the Lord's hand of judgment was upon the Egyptians while his hand of mercy and grace was on them. They saw that with their eyes. Then, probably one of the most fascinating miracles recorded in all of history is the Red Sea crossing. Where, where a sea was literally separated to the point, the Bible says that they crossed over on dry ground and saved them from Pharaoh's army that was pursuing them very violently. I mean, they saw all of this with their own eyes. This was still fresh. We're talking three days. Now, I can't be too harsh on them because I can turn that back on myself and say, how many days does it take for me to leave a day of worship on Sunday before I find myself not being complacent, not being grateful, being frustrated, right? I hate when the Holy Spirit does that, but he does it so often, you know? And, and that's where they are, three days. But now notice what happens when they grumble to Moses. Look at verse 25. What's the first thing Moses does? Moses, Moses doesn't go, bro, are you freaking kidding me right now? <laughs> like, are you serious? Did you not? No, he goes straight to the Lord. The people grumble, they get frustrated, They grumble at Moses, and look at what Moses does. Moses goes straight to the Lord, and he goes straight to his help. Moses had the mindset of where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And when Moses goes to the Lord, look at verse 27. The Lord provides. The Lord provides. He he makes the water able for them to drink, and then he leads them to a place where there's a big water source. All right, so let's hang on to that pattern. We're going to see that continue over to the next thing where God not only took care of the water at Marah, he now also provides them food in the desert. Chapter 16, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam, and they came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt, now if you, if you weren't here we during the Passover, the Passover marked their calendar, okay? So we're looking at about two and a half months After the Passover, this is where they are today. Um, The Israelites uh, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Verse 3, so the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, and we ate all the food that we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert 
to starve this entire assembly to death. <laughs> what an exaggeration, all right? I don't know if you've ever been around people that are like super dramatic and people that really don't have a great grip on reality, but they're grumbling at Moses going, bro, why are we out here dying? We had the lifestyles of the rich and famous in Egypt. We sat around plush pots of meat, which is not a bad place to be. Uh, you know, we had it made. We're sunbathing with our sweet tea and lemonade with a little umbrella sticking out the top, you know. I mean, we had convertible camels. I mean, it was awesome, right? Because we were living the good life. Now, if I'm Moses, I'm like, what? Run that by me one more time. You must have forgotten. It only took you two months to forget the fact that you were slaves. They were enslaved in Egypt, tortured and brutally mistreated. That's the life that they had. But how often we forget too, right? We, we, we tend to forget the reality and remember the good stuff. And they're like, we had it made. Moses is like, no, you, you really didn't. But okay, we'll keep going. All right, so this is where they are. So then, then the Lord... Uh, Oh, yeah, uh, here we go, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, Hey, in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread that you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole community, they looked toward the desert. And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone... Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For, for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omar for each person that you have in your tent. Then the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omar, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it till the morning. And some of them didn't listen. But never, verse 27, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day and they gathered it anyway. And they, verse 31, and they called the bread manna. So basically, here's what happens. They're grumbling about food. Now you may say, well, okay, well, what's going on here? If you'll recall, before they left Egypt, they gathered up all of their things, and it says in there that they gathered up enough supplies to travel, and they also asked the Egyptians. The Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. I love that statement. It's pretty funny. Uh, so they had everything they needed to travel. My guess is they're probably two and a half months in. My guess is either the food is starting to run out or they realize the food is about to run out. 
And so instead of going, hey, Moses, what does the Lord have planned for us next? They go, hey, Moses, why did you bring us to the desert to die? <laughs> you know, as if the Lord hasn't provided for them up to this point at all, right? And so he does it. So the, the, the Bible says that the Lord provides for them bread and bird. They had manna and they had quail that they could feast on. And every morning when they woke up and went outside, it was there on the ground. And they could collect what they needed for the day. Except on the sixth day, they collected two days worth because on the seventh day, the Lord wanted them to rest. Now, little side note here, number one, Kevin and I um, have a differing opinion. Kevin's more biblically accurate. Mine, I think, is a lot more fun. I believe the sweet manna from heaven is Krispy Kreme donuts, okay? When I get to heaven, I'll probably be proven wrong, but that's okay. I don't mind being wrong. I would love to wake up to Krispy Kreme donuts on the ground every morning. And the second thing is, anybody that tells you you need to cut out bread is of the devil, right? Because the two things that the Lord sustains his people with are bread and bird, and the two things in communion are the bread and the cup. So anything that tells you to eliminate bread, it's of the devil. Be Christ-like eat the bread. All right, so anyway, but the thing is, Kevin says that the bread was probably more like uh, golden grams, you know, like your, like your cereal, uh, which that's not terrible either. But anyway, but it's just, have you ever had it without milk? It's, it's tough without milk. But anyway, so the thing is that here we have the, that you see this same thing that's happening. The people begin to grumble to Moses, and I love what Moses says here. Moses goes, why are you grumbling to us, right? Like, what do you want, what do you want me to do, right? But they grumble to Moses, but then notice what Moses does. Moses goes to the Lord. That's kind of his pattern. And, and here's what I love about Moses, too, is Moses doesn't take credit for the Lord's provision. You know, and that's hard sometimes in leadership. That's real easy sometimes in leadership, no matter what level of leadership you're in. Sometimes that's really hard, especially if you have a lot of talents and you have a lot of gifts. It's hard not to, to kind of be like, hey, yeah, you're welcome. You, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to, to not sing that song from Moana. But, but the thing is that when you get there, Moses says, look, the Lord is the one who provided. He said, when you wake up in the morning and you go out in the tent, this is what I love. He says, you'll see the glory of the Lord present on the ground. That's what I love about Moses. He always points it back to God. And then what happens when Moses comes to them or comes to the Lord and, and presents the request to the people, what does the Lord do? The Lord provides. So he's got the water there that he's already taken care of. He's got the food that he's put on the ground. They have another situation with, with water. Look in verse 17. They find their cell at Rephidim, uh, chapter 17, verse 1. It says, the whole Israelite communi community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded, and they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. I'm like, y'all, come on. Like, do, do you not get it? Like, like, the Lord has not left you hanging at any point in time in here, right? At no point in time have you called the Lord and he's ghosted you and sent you to voicemail. At no point in time in here have you reached out to the Lord and he's like, sorry, you're a bunch of bums. Figure it out on your own. Every step along the way, the Lord has provided, but they still or grumbling, I still have my lessons I have to learn, so unfortunately I get it. So, so they quarreled with Moses, and they said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Well, why, you know, why do you put the Lord to the test? Moses is like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, has not the Lord provided for you every step along the way? Verse 3, but the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt? to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, I mean, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, 
Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock. Rock will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord not among us? What do we see here again? The people quarrel. What happens? The Moses goes to the Lord. What happens? The Lord provides. So look, you know, we, we, can, we can relate to this, whether we maybe recognize it or not, maybe we realize it or not, but, but we all have these moments where we find ourselves grumbling. And, and for me, I guess, like not trying to, to, to get into human psyche, but for me, I feel like oftentimes when you and I find ourselves in positions of grumbling, it kind of falls under, under two things that, that cause that. Number one, I would say, would be impatient selfishness. Impatient selfishness. What, what do I mean by that? It's like the Lord is not providing the way that we think he should in the time frame that we think he should work in. Right? We, we recognize like, yeah, God's good. Yes, God provides for me. But he's not really providing for me the way that I wish that he would. And he's also not providing for me in the time frame that I think would work the best. And so we grow impatient and we grow a little bit selfish, you know? And, and listen, we can hear the passage all day long, like delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of the heart. But because we're impatient, because we're selfish, we'll twist that a little bit to mean if I'm going to church faithfully, if I'm praying, if I'm worshiping God, then he's going to start checking off stuff on my wish list. And that's really not what that verse means. That's not how it applies in our lives, but sometimes subconsciously we, we kind of want it to work that way. And it's, it's kind of like this. Um, brother, I gave an analogy years ago that, that really stuck with me and resonated with me. He, he, he painted it like an athletic event, right? He, he said, imagine if the Auburn football players went and played at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, and they were upset that, that the, the, the environment in Tuscaloosa wasn't the same at Jordan-Hare, Right? And, and the truth of the matter is, they're not the home team. Like, the environment at Bryant-Denny Stadium for Auburn football should not be the same as it is at Jordan-Hare. He said, but that's how it is for us here on earth. Like, we feel like we're the home team this side of heaven. And so we want earth to function like heaven for us as children of God and for us as Christ followers. But the truth of the matter is, we're the visiting team here as long as we're this side of heaven. And so we shouldn't expect everything here on earth to be like it's going to be in heaven for us as children of God. If we grow impatient and we grow selfish, this wasn't the promised land for them, right? God promised them a land that was going to be beneficial for them. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey and have all these resources and these riches. The problem was they wanted that from Jump Street. They wanted to go straight from the Red Sea into the promised land the first place they stepped. But that wasn't this. This wasn't the promised land that God was giving them, and they, they lost sight of that. They, they grew impatient with the Lord's plan and the Lord's provision. Also, the second thing I think is, is, is memory loss, like not just being selfishly impatient, but memory loss, you know? Uh, we kind of tend to, to pattern our lives under the, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, I can tell you about what the Lord did for me five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, six months ago, but like, but that was then, this is now. Like, I need the Lord to provide for me now. Uh, they apparently had tremendous memory loss about what the Lord has done. So Jehovah Jireh is the same Jehovah Jireh now 
that was Jehovah Jireh then. The Lord provides for our daily needs as well. If you'll recall Jesus in the Lord's Prayer when when his disciples ask him, how should we pray? It's, it's actually a prayer that a lot of people even quote, not even thinking about what it means. But in that, Jesus says, give us this day our what? Those of you who know it, daily bread, right? Even in Jesus's model prayer, he says, present your request to the Lord for daily needs. Somebody hit me with this one time, and I was like, ooh, it's kind of a zinger. He said, what if you woke up tomorrow and all you had was what you thank the Lord for today, what would you wake up with? Snap. <laughs> now that's me, man. Like, I forget some of these daily needs. The older I get, I see Jesus more like the fire extinguisher on the wall, break glass in case of need. You know, it's like, I tell you what, let me set out on my day. I'll come to you when I need you. When the truth of the matter is, I need him right out of the chute. And I also forget he's providing all these things for me along the way. And I just, I tend to forget. So Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides, not just for their daily needs, but for our daily needs as well. The next thing we see, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides in our times of hardship. In our times of hardship. So three times the Lord provides for them in their daily needs. Now they get attacked in battle. This is the first time we've seen them have some true um, like opposition and hardship come their way uh, as they've entered into the desert. And it kind of makes sense if you're a neighboring uh, nationality or you're like a neighboring group, they're kind of ripe for the picking. You know, they, they're kind of depleted. They, they've come from a country that wasn't theirs. Uh, they don't really have a whole lot of infrastructure in place for military uh, they're, they're traveling, you know, they're, they're basically in an RV. They're not in a, uh, in a, in a well-established home. Um, so they're kind of ripe for the picking. And we see that in verse 8. The Amalekites, I guess they were the first ones out of the chute that were like, ooh, fresh meat, here we go. Uh, verse 8, the Amalekites came and they attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. And tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his, his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. And he said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. You may say, well, how, do, how does the Lord provide here? Well, in case you don't know much about the story leading up to this point, the, these people had 
no uh, history of, of military training whatsoever. Um, one, of my f- <laughs> one of my favorite shows, I think, of all time. I, it's been, I don't know how long it's been since it was on uh, television, but uh, Pros versus Joes. I see Jonathan laughing. I don't know if you guys ever seen it. But, but Pros versus Joes was this show where these misguided individuals felt like they truly had the talent and the ability to compete against professional athletes. Now, these professional athletes were quote-unquote retired, but that gum, Kevin Green, like, stepped off the gridiron and, like, the next month was in Pros versus Joes, okay? And so it'd be stuff like show up to the baseball stadium and see if you could hit as many home runs as Bo Jackson. Well, if you don't know about Bo Jackson, the dude could crush baseballs. So Bo Jackson hits, like, 50 or 75 home runs. The guy who quote-unquote won hit like 12. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it was just, they were misplaced and misguided, you know. I don't think the Israelites were quite like that. I think the Israelites realized when Joshua was like, hey, we're going to go to battle tomorrow. We're going to fight. And they were like, say what? You know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got the boo-boo belly. I can't go out on the battlefield. I may not be any good, right? I mean, you're looking for any excuse that you can find because... You haven't really swung a sword, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, these guys weren't prepped for this, but the Lord provided because they had Moses. Now, if you know Moses' story, he was raised the first 40 years in Pharaoh's home. In Pharaoh's home, he would have learned Egyptian culture, and part of that was Egypt was an incredible military country at this time. They were a nation that was known for battle, and so Moses would have learned those strategies. And I guarantee you, even though it isn't recorded here, I guarantee you Moses rallied around some people and were like giving them some tips and some things to do. Now, if I'm them, they're like, sweet, well, we'll just follow you. And Moses is like, actually, I'm going to be up there. What? Why are you going to be up there? You know, oh, he's a, he's a sniper. You know, no, but anyway, so, but the thing is, is that the Lord was providing for them in that they, they apparently were, were given the ability to fight. But then also too, here's what's really cool. Moses provided, I mean, the Lord provided for them in Moses being an intercessor for them. And that's what I think is really cool, right? That you and I, when we go through hardships, even when we don't go through hardships, you and I in this room have people that intercede for us on a regular basis. And you know what's really cool about that? Most of the time, we don't even see it. Do you think when they were in battle, they would look up and see Moses up there? Probably not. They were probably focused on the challenge and the task that was right at hand of them. But here was a guy that they couldn't see that was interceding for them while they were going through hardship. I don't know all of you, but I'm guessing that, that most of you probably have parents or grandparents who have prayed for you most of your life. And, and you probably haven't even heard those prayers. Uh, if you are a member here at Lakeview, our staff prays for members of our church every year by name at least once a year. Uh, We have prayer requests that people submit that we as a staff pray for every week. But even beside that, the New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And Jesus, as our high priest, intercedes for us. The beauty of it is the Lord provide in the midst of their hardship through the intercessory of Moses and through the strength that they needed to make it through that hardship. And they may not have even seen it. They may not have even recognized it. Sometimes our hardship is self-induced, right? You look back and you go, yep, I probably shouldn't have done that, right? But not always. Sometimes our hardship is just hardship because it's life. It's a broken world. It's a sinful world. 
And the Lord walks us through those things, and he provides, even in the midst of our hardships. It makes me think about the heart of David when he wrote Psalm 9. He said, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who knew your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. That's cool, man. That's cool. So, not just in our daily needs, not just in our time of hardship, but we see Jehovah Jireh, the Lord also provides in times of our deficiency. In times of our deficiency. Let's read chapter 18 real quick. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses, Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. So Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about the hardship that they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Once again, look at what's happening here, right? Uh, they didn't have social media outlets back then. They didn't have phones, right? Uh, they didn't even have electricity. They had to watch TV by candlelight at night. It was, it was crazy. And so the thing is, is that, all right, so, but the thing is that Jethro comes, right? And what's Moses doing? Moses is giving him a report about everything that happened. And look at what it says Moses is doing. Moses is praising the Lord, right? He's telling Jethro everything the Lord had done, everything the Lord had provided. Once again, Moses giving total props to God. It's, it's awesome, all right? So look at verse 9. So Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. And he said, look, praise be to the Lord, who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and of Pharaoh, who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Here we come. Here we, here we see the Lord's provision in deficiency. Verse 13. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Verse 17, so Moses' father-in-law replied, what are you doing? Or what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me. I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. 
If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Verse 24, this is key. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way. Jethro returned to his own country. Yeah, the Lord provides in our times of deficiency, right? The, the, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, notice two things here, right? You, you, what we see is that Moses had a deficiency in leadership. Uh, he, he, he was trying to do everything himself. And, and Jethro gives him this plan of delegation, right? Set up people along the way that there's a structure in place so that you're not literally having to do everything by yourself. He said, this won't be good for you. It won't be good for the people. You'll wear yourself out. They'll, they'll wear themselves out. Like, this, this, is, not, this is not good. And, but two things here is that Jethro's love for Moses saw that there was a deficiency there, and Jethro tells Moses about it. But notice how he does it. He does it in a loving way because he wants Moses to benefit from it, and he wants the people of Israel to benefit from it. He's not just putting him down, right? He's not pointing out his deficiency in a way that's like, bro, you stink. Like, your system is jacked. Good luck with that. No, no, no. He, he wasn't putting Moses down. He was doing it in a way to help Moses when he saw that need. But look at the flip side of this. The flip side of that was Moses was humble enough to see that Jethro was saying that in love. And what does Moses do? Moses receives it. Moses receives it. Guys, can I go ahead and be honest and say that, like, no one of us can do everything. Every one of us has deficiency in something. And the Lord is going to bring people along the way into your lives to speak some of those truths and reveal some of those deficiencies to you in a loving way. And it's our job to humble ourselves to receive that counsel from the Lord and to make those adjustments so that everybody benefits from it. We grow from it. The people around us grow from it. And also, too, if that person might end up becoming some type of mentor to you one day. It reminds me of the book of James in chapter 1, where he says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We all need the wise counsel of the Lord, and we find that in a lot of ways. We can find that through reading Scripture. We can find that in prayer. We can find that reading biographies and autobiographies of great men and women of the faith. Right? We can find that in a lot of ways, but a lot of times God sends that wise, wise counsel from people in our lives. All you single people in here, if you're really curious what your deficiencies are, get married. You'll find them real quickly. Right? I see Glenn laughing. Elena's <laughs> like, amen. No, I'm just kidding. No, but like, like I never knew how selfish I was till I got married, okay? Then when you think you have it figured out, have kids, then you'll find the other deficiencies that you have, yeah? I mean, the thing is, guys, like, like we, we have these moments in life where God brings us these people to give us wise counsel. And listen, does everybody do it every time in love in a way that builds us up? Oh, they're sinful, just like we are. But that doesn't mean that just because they don't do it in a proper way doesn't mean that we shouldn't receive it in a proper way. We can still be humble. We can still take that counsel to heart. We can still let that be part of our process of becoming Christ-like. So today, man, we see Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, right? 
He has all of our needs. The, the Lord is here. He's capable. He provides. When we patiently wait on him, when we abide in the Holy Spirit, we begin to see the ways that he has, the ways that he is, and that he's going to provide for our needs. Yeah? Listen, y'all can flesh some of this out around your table groups for a little bit. Y'all can discuss it in whatever manner you want. I gave you just a kind of a handful of questions that make it help if you, if you need some help. Number one, when are times in your life when you're prone to grumble? And please don't say when Greg fills in for Kevin. Maybe wait and let me leave before you say that. That'd be awesome. Uh, what, are, what are some things that, that we can do to help recognize all that the Lord has provided for us? Uh, what are some hard times that you've walked through and you knew you needed the Lord? Or how do you recognize his presence and his provision in those times of need? Uh, what are some areas of deficiency in your life that the Lord has revealed to you? And then another option would be how has the Lord provided to help you with those areas? Yeah, so y'all spend the next few minutes around your table group times until Sophie uh, closes you out.